Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that's trying to make fetches happen, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the slippery bog bonder herself, Emma. Emma, how are you doing this week? I am doing okay. I'm very tired because I got a four hours mm. sleep last night. However, I can somehow raise the dead now, which is a cool power yes. to have. Given the news today, so just for just for context, we are recording on a Monday at about eight o'clock yep. on UK time. So you can guess what's happened in the world of magic. B and or announcement. We've had it. We've had our purge. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's happened, and uh, it's a thing. And I have feelings. Let's just uh, start it like that, shall we? (laughs) Okay, but before we jump into that, we do have one or two little bits of housekeeping to do. And that is, first of all, we'd like to say thank you to the following new patrons. Carrie M and Angelo G. Angelo G, by the way, is a friend of the show and a noted writer for EDH Trek, and he explores all kinds of wonderful things that you can do in Commander. Both of us would definitely recommend checking out his articles. They go live every Tuesday on EDH Trek, and you can follow him over on Twitter at the Jess Guy. That's T H G J E S G U Y. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. I hear he likes black green decks. Yeah, like the attrition, grindy sort of, you know, one yeah. for one removal dot decks. I Definitely that, no, like, brand. graveyard recursion and spells matters and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Nah, it's no, not, not so much overrated. as we have now. <laughs> Emma, I feel like this is going to be uh, an episode where I'm going to have a little bit of uh, some ranting time. So how about I give you a little bit of, uh, a bit, yes. bit of time where you can actually get a word in sideways <laughs> and, uh, and give us an introduction as to what we're actually talking about this week. So, what we are talking about this week is the latest banned and restricted update that came out about five hours ago, give or take. The week before, so last week, Wizards of the Coast alerted that there's going to be a swath of bans or swath of changes across Pauper, Historic, Modern and Pioneer. There's a lot of changes across various formats, given there hasn't been a lot of activity recently, purely because there hasn't been many paper events, COVID has affected Mm. a lot of the data, there's a lot of anticipation. It's like, oh boy, you know, is Pioneer going to be playable again? Are we going to see Splinter Twin or Birthing Pod legal and modern again? Is Arkham's Astrolabe going to be banned in modern? Will Flickertron be addressed in Pauper? Because that's been an annoyance for yeah. God knows how long. So about three, half three o'clock today, the BNR dropped and it's not quite hit the mark in terms of what we wanted from it. Mm. Would you like to dive in, Scott? Because you have yeah, a lot to I mean- say. <laughs> Look, right, I, I, I will start by saying that I expect a lot from Watsi when it comes to bands like this because I actually expect them to do the right thing and they often don't. So that's just my opinion on it. I think I, if anything, expect too much from them to do the right thing. But that aside, I do want to start off in a format where I think they mostly actually hit the mark. I think they mostly did Historic pretty well, actually. There were a couple of cards that were on the suspended list, and we talked about the suspended list before. It's basically banning before banning. They essentially temporarily remove a card from the format for two to three months, potentially, and to see if the metagame can adjust to the loss of that card and if it becomes healthier. In this case, they'd noticed that Agent of Treachery, Winota, Joiner of Forces, Fires of Invention... They were all able to go from the suspended list to being straight out banned. 
which is pretty good, to be honest. Like, Agent of Treachery is weird because it's a seven mana 2-3 that steals a thing. That seems really weird to ban, but, like, there are so many ways that you can cheat it into play through, like, say, Luca or Transmogrify or whichever. So you can get it out much, much earlier, say, turn three or turn four, and start stealing lands. Like, that's not very enjoyable at all. Also, Agent of Treachery is good off a Winota here yes, as well. which is another reason why Winota is here too. <laughs> Yeah. I can understand getting rid of Winota and not Angrat's Marauders, which was the uh, the other win condition from the deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's removing the enablers, isn't it? That's always been Watsi's kind of perception that the enablers are the problem, so we need to ban these so it doesn't happen again. Well, for the most part, yes, but also no, because Agent of Treachery is a payoff and not an enabler. So they're banning a payoff in one scenario and an enabler in another. So the lack of consistency kind of irks me a little bit. That's mm. honestly mostly because of before when, you know, Hogak Summer was around and they finally banned Hogak and everything. And they had banned Faithless Looting as well, which at this point, you know, I'll give any opportunity to bring it up every time. You know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna ban payoff, don't ban enablers too. Like just do one or the other, you know. Have a consistency to what you say. And I think that's that's a thing that a lot of players I think have have issue with. Is they kind of say one thing and then mean another. And we we will probably end up circling back around onto this point a couple of times throughout this list as we as we go through it. But uh, but generally speaking, so far, Agent of Treachery and Winota in particular, they're very, very good choices to permanently get rid of because, to be perfectly honest, uh, like the Winota decks were, were kind of terrible to play against. They, they were just really good aggro decks that had occasional RNG, I win, or just like you could be sitting there setting up for a nice Winota turn and then completely whiff. And that feels bad for the person playing. But then if you are the person on the receiving end and they attack with like three creatures after playing a Winota and hit three Agent of Treachery, and you've no lands left that's horrific as well like it the extreme from feel good to feel bad is way too wide so like getting rid of that for me makes perfect sense when it comes to fires of invention i've i've made myself known about this several times before that mana doubling is just a really terrible design and it removes mana costs like costs in the corner may as well just say like generic mana it just removes the restriction of it and that then essentially becomes the mana system in Hearthstone, which is yes. not very good. I'm I'm glad it's gone, personally. A lot of people actually are very salty about no bans in standard at all today. Even though they hadn't announced that there was going to be. I think people were kind of expecting it, but yeah. They mentioned it to kind of acknowledge that wilderness reclamation and growth spiral might be a problem. But I'm very surprised to see like no answers to that. Yet they've done a lot of changes to yeah. historic. Strangely, they make those acknowledgements after very, very long period of time that those cards have been in the format. Mm. They're coming up to rotation. Like both of those cards, Wilderness Reclamation and Gross Barrel, are going to rotate, and now they're like, you know, they might actually be a problem. It's like, really? Like, how long has it taken you to figure this out? Like, we've been sitting here screaming from the rooftops. Do you just have us all on mute on Twitter? Is that what this is? Watsy, please. (laughs) That's how Watsy does social media. Yeah. everyone else. That's no surprise. Yep. But there's more bands. There are more bands. Yes, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's more bands. Uh, Nexus of Fate is not going on the suspended list in Historic. It's just getting straight up banned. And to be perfectly honest, I don't have anything to say other than good, good riddance. Card was a mistake. Card was a huge mistake. And like, it's one of those ones, kind of like Fires of Invention, where you, when you first look at it, you're like, nah, it's not that big of a deal, right? it's so hard to cast or it's so restrictive or whatever and then you realize it's not because of all the other cards that are in the formats and stuff and yeah no 
I'm I'm very happy to see the back of this card. Very, very happy. Wasn't it one of the best decks in Historic as well? Oh, it was the most played deck in Historic. I would say roughly on yeah. par with Gruel. I don't have the exact figures, but they, basically they were the two best decks. If you weren't playing Gruel, you were playing Nexus. And if you weren't playing Nexus, then you're doing it wrong. But another one as well, this is the one where I think they've kind of missed the mark in Historic. Everything up until this point is good. All good. They've done everything correctly. Burning Tree Emissary has been suspended. It's a weird card to suspend, isn't it? It is. It is. Now, I understand their reasoning behind it, but it's the reasoning of someone that the best way to say this doesn't know what they're talking about it sounds like it sounds like someone had looked at the the list and gone oh nexus is really really good right now and so is gruel and gruel is the counter to nexus so if we ban nexus that means gruel is going to take over forever right when in actual fact gruel was the antidote to nexus so gruel is going to become less prevalent once nexus goes away because gruel needed to exist in order to take down nexus it had to have that extreme pressure the explosiveness and the pressure in order to keep the Nexus decks in check, at least in some degree. Now that the Nexus is gone, Gruel deck kind of just goes back to being just another deck. It's another aggressive deck, and people are going to start play, being able to play mid-range again now because Nexus doesn't exist, because we were talking about this before the show. You, you've never known pain quite like on turn three you go, oh, I'm going to play a three drop, it's ETB triggers, draw a card or something, pass the turn, and then your opponent goes Wilderness Reclamation, from that point on just starts taking a bunch of turns and then you just never get to have fun again you can't you can't play mid-range when those kind of decks exist so now that nexus is gone they can come back in or well so you would think and this is where my problem with it is and that is i think they picked the wrong card from gruel the card that i think they should have picked in order to power down the deck is embercleave and this sounds weird okay because i think embercleave is mostly kind of fine in standard because red isn't particularly great in standard right now so therefore having an incredibly powerful card like embercleave is actually fine because it gives that color a bit of an edge in a format where it's not particularly good however when red is really good like this it can be very dangerous so gruel is currently extremely powerful and one of the reasons to play mid-range is to beat aggressive decks. And one of the big one of the best tools that mid-range decks have in order to beat aggressive decks is the ability to block their creatures with bigger creatures. Now, if every single time the aggressive deck attacks into your mid-range creatures and you're sitting there with your high-value creatures going, "Should I block this or can I just get absolutely wrecked by an ember cleave here?" Do they have it? Do they have the cleave? How many times have you played like mid-range decks or something and gone, have they got the cleave? If they have the cleave, I guess I'm dead anyway, is kind of the way that you look at it. And if if your mid-range decks can't block, what's the point in playing mid-range? Just play control and run like 10 board wipes and, and just go with that, you know? I think they were right in picking something from Gruel, but I think they were wrong in the card they've chosen. Do you think Burning Tremissar is going to get unsuspended? I think so. I think it'll get unsuspended. They'll, they'll realize that like it's it's a nice explosive start and it is something that is very good. But there are grill decks that just haven't mm. been running it. You know, they 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 value more modal or you know alternately powerful creatures that have say things like Bone Crusher Giant, for example. Like having that kind of thing so that you can fight on a different axis with more controlling decks is good. I'm very unsure about their their reasoning behind this one. Well, th- their reasoning behind picking this specific card. Obviously, I think their their intentions yeah. were right 
with this. They they should have picked something, but I really feel like honestly we're about to just get cleaved a whole bunch. We'll see how this pans out, I suppose. Do you not believe in the cleave? I personally don't believe in the cleave, no. <laughs> it's one of the only cards in magic <laughs> that has the word flash on it that I don't like. I don't know why I don't like it, but Really? Yeah. And it's a red card as well. It's on brand yeah. for you. Yeah, I know. Like, if it's blue or if it's red or if it has flash, I'd probably love it. But I, there's something about Embercleave. Maybe maybe it's the amount of times I've already died to Embercleave. It's kind of kind of altered my, my opinions on it, maybe. Maybe that's it. It is the standard team of Battle Rage, right? Yeah. I mean... Just feels bad. Well, actually, the standard team of Battle Rage is Raking Claws, but... Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, we've, got, we've got two then, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, alright, let's just rip the band-aid off. Uh, Pioneer. Yeah. Pioneer. What were you hoping for? Before we go into this, what were you hoping for yourself, Emma, from the bans and restricted announcement um, for Pioneer? In a very unrealistic margin, I was hoping Pharos Beyond Death would just be banned from Pioneer, <laughs> as in the whole set. I'd actually be okay with that. I'd be okay with that too. However, being unrealistic, probably not going to happen. I was anticipating something from Inverter to get mm-hmm. banned, so a combination of Fast as Oracle, dig through time, perhaps something from Lotus Breach, okay. unsure what, perhaps an under, Underworld Breach, but I expected something to be done with Inverter because it's been so prominent for so mm. long. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. What we did get, though, is an Open Nissa unban, which no one wanted. <laughs> I mean, I think a couple of people wanted it, but... I, I think the people that wanted an Open Nissa unban want to play Kefir's combo, which, guess what, it's another combo deck in Pioneer. Yeah. Thumbs yeah, up. I feel like I feel like we're about to just get another high tier, possibly top tier combo deck now in the form of Kathis Combo. At least it's a graveyard deck that can be interrupted by the graveyard. It's one of those things where it might just not matter because you have inverter. Yeah. That's that's the problem. You can do whatever you want, it doesn't matter because inverter will just still do inverter things. Yeah. And for someone that was really excited for Pioneer when it came about Last October, we are not even a year into the format's life, just putting that out there. Yeah. It's very unfortunate just to see it tail off and potentially die for historic sins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing that I want to just address very quickly about Pioneer, actually, which is I feel Pioneer has gotten the the, the rough end of the stick. You know, it's not on Arena in the grand scheme of things. It's one of the newest formats. It's not able to be played in any kind of real capacity right now because, obviously, with the whole current world situation, like organized play is banned again in North America and in a lot of other sensible countries where it's not banned, they're just not holding the tournaments anyway because it's the responsible thing to do. So it's kind of a lame duck at the moment and it is both Watsi's fault and not anyone's fault. Yeah, it's just in a weird spot. Now, things will be very, very different, I think, if we get Pioneer onto Arena. Yeah. Because once we have Pioneer onto Arena, everyone's going to start playing it. It's just like Brawl. Like, they announced Brawl, like, two years before Arena. And everyone was like, oh, Brawl, this seems real cool. And then nothing happened for, well, ever. And then it appeared on Arena and suddenly everyone plays Brawl. So it kind of raises an interesting question. Given that we can't play Pioneer in a paper setting Mm. as much as we want to, do you think this ban update would be a lot different if A, we could play it in paper and B, if it was on Arena? Yes to both, I think. Because if we were playing this format more, they would have more data to go by. 
they would have more feedback. Not that we're not giving them enough feedback on please ban Inverter or do something. <laughs> Literally anything at this point, Watsi, we're begging you, please do something about Pioneer. Those voices would be louder. The, the, the evidence would be more prominent. You know, like we would be further along in this process, I think. I think my issue with Watsi's response to Pioneer and the health mm. of the format is just how they delivered the BNR. They're quite happy with the health of the format. And I'm like, what format are you watching? Can I join? Like, are we looking yeah, at the same like, thing? Can I can I watch the um, format too? Because currently the challenges for Pioneer aren't firing and so I can't even watch those. Like the last, I think it was the last challenge or the last super mm. qualifier. Um, the top eight, six of them were combo yeah. decks. It's insane. And also... In the update, what's he say? They unbanned Oath of Nyssa to help Nyxdos uh, trying to nix strategies, which I find quite cute because they have no idea what else Oath of Nyssa can do. It's not just for like mono green yeah. Stompy or mono green Planeswalkers, sorry, is it? It's it has a broader application. Yeah, um, I, I think more specifically, like like you'd mentioned earlier, uh, Katas combo is the very first thing that comes to mind when you see Oath of Nyssa. You're like, oh, that's yeah. That's not good. That's going to find literally any piece that they need and then also make it super easy to cast and make it way more consistent and, oh, this is not going to end well. Yeah, it just, it just feels a real like token on ban. I don't understand the benefit of it. It was better just to leave it as it is. I know, as bad as that sounds, than to unban over this. It's, it's weird because it doesn't make sense. Like their whole argument for it was like, oh, we, we banned this early on, but then since then we've banned other cards like Oko and Vale and stuff, so therefore this is probably okay now. But that seems like a terrible excuse to unban. Like, like it, it might be it might be fine, but like there are bigger fish to fry in this format right now. Specifically one that exiles your library and makes you just win on the spot. Like Yeah. <sighs> I I'm just curious to see what sort of data what's he have access to that they're not sharing. I'm under the impression they know something we don't. Obviously, they understand future sets and what's coming mm. in, what cards are coming to answer, potentially offer answers to stuff like yeah. Inverter, but we don't know that. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be more transparency, um, which is something I've always had an issue with when they do these BNR Agreed. updates. For a while, they were quite good, especially in like regards to modern when you had like Faithless Looting, Mox Opal and Ancient Stirrings, like the trifecta of very powerful mm -hmm. cards that can warp a format. They were very good at going, oh yeah, Faithless Lutin's seen this much success recently, we're keeping an eye mm -hmm. on it, blah, 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 blah. Not really getting that with Pioneer, and I would love some assurance that they're pro being proactive about it, and they really are. One of my theories behind this is that I don't actually think they have enough data to look at. They might have some data and be like, because oh, no this is, looks okay, but we don't have enough data. The Pioneer Challenges just have not been firing recently because no one wants to play combos the format, you know? It feels like a really lazy sort of outlook to go, oh, we don't have enough data because no one wants to play, so we should just leave it. For sure. Surely there's a problem beyond that, that they're just not really either not wanting mm -hmm. to address or they're just putting their efforts into formats that make them more money, such yeah. as historic. And that's probably more in line with what they're doing, just to be brutally honest. Yeah. I have a suggestion or an idea as to how they can actually turn the current situation to their advantage when it comes to Pioneer and in order to rejuvenate the format and bring it back. And that is, because we can't play in paper right now, it's all digital, why not temporarily introduce a suspend list to Pioneer and go, well... Okay, here's what we're going to do. For the next two months, we're going to remove whatever. Inverter plus um, Breach plus Walking Ballista, say. 
the top yeah. three decks have, have each gotten a punch in the gut, figure it out. And like, we'll just see how the format goes because right now it's not going to affect anyone's paper decks because no one's playing them. And if anything, the price of Pioneer cards is shooting down anyway because no one yeah. wants to play it. So in a in an ironic way, it's quite budget if you want to play the format, which you might not want to yeah. at the moment. I think I would like to see Pioneer take a similar approach to Pauper, where it's quite community-driven. Because mm. you get that with Pioneer. As I said earlier, the Pioneer's only been around for, what, 10, 11 months? But there's a lot of love for the format already, and I feel it's important that WotC can just tap into that to get information, to get data, get feedback, just to nurture the format. Because it is still in mm. its infancy, and if you're not going to look after it when it's young, it's not going to last sure. very long. So I think something to that extent would be quite good for Pioneer. And given the way social media and magic community is at the moment, that might happen because there's a lot of, what's the word, there's a lot of disdain, there's a lot of frustration. Yeah. So there might be a case where they might take it into their own hands and what's he go, excellent, you know, yeah. it's problem solved. But yeah, like I can see like Pioneer falling into a similar sort of approach to Pauper has, just being this sort of under-acknowledged format that a lot of people yeah, care about. for sure. Like this is the thing. Like I'm, I'm kicking up a stink on on social media because I care so much for the format. Like quick bit of Same. quick bit of background that I've I've mentioned a couple of times before. But I started back in Amiket, so all of the cards that are in Pioneer, they're all cards that I've either played with or I've had some close experience with. So to me, I feel closer to that format than I do modern because a lot of the time when I when I first started learning modern, for example, there were cards that I had to keep I had to keep stopping my opponents. Go, oh, sorry, can I read that? I've literally never seen this card before in my life. Whereas yeah. in Pioneer, that's not the case at all. Like, I, granted, it came around much later into my enfranchisement into the game, so I know more cards by default. But there are cards from like back in like the the Ravnica blocks and the and the Theros blocks and stuff that. I just know from exposure to them, like in, in general, it, it just feels more like my format. You know, this is my version of modern. Like yes. I have friends that have been playing for 10, 15 years and modern is modern is the format to them. And to some degree it is for me too, but I feel it a bit stronger with Pioneer. And I think that's why I'm so frustrated with it, because this feels like the, the format that was meant for people like me that have been a little bit later to the game but now it's in a mess and they're just refusing to do anything about it like is this how is this how people in modern felt like when they were when everyone was like oh ban ancient stirrings ban fateless looting ban this oh that oh, that feels so long ago when everyone was calling for an ancient stirrings and, ban oh and it God. doesn't seem so silly now that you have uro and stuff the weirdest thing is it feels pretty fair right <laughs> and if that feels fair and we're doing something wrong you could talk about power yeah. creep um, I'm similar to you. So I came into Magic around Castle mm. Tarkir, which is also a set that's legal in Pioneer. Mm. Admittedly, I fell into modern quite early on in my Magic tenure. Mm. But I appreciate Pioneer because it doesn't have fetch lands. That is, that is a big draw for me. I did always wonder when playing modern, I was like, oh, imagine like an eternal format that didn't have fetch lands that was like ingrained into the game or into this yeah. format. And Pioneer just seems a, a real breath of fresh air. And I saw it. Uh, from the outlook, at least from a budget outlook, that, yes, you can play stuff like standard and, you know, you have this rotation clause, which can get quite frustrating, but you can just reuse those cards for Pioneer. Like, that mileage is still there. And the, if they're good in standard, they're probably going to be pretty good in Pioneer. Yeah. So it's a really good way just to get mileage out of your cards and your investment. Sure. 
but yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty gutted to see Pioneer just like cast aside. Yeah. Um, because I think it deserves a lot more attention than what it's getting For currently, sure. and hopefully. Who knows, with with the amount of kicking up that's gone up at the moment, there might be some reaction to it. One thing I would like to see mm-hmm. he do is introduce the week. I know it's a bit difficult now because not really events mm-hmm. are firing uh, as such, but I really like the approach where they just updated the band list every week, reviewed it every week. Yeah, because I, I think, I think the just, current situation of like, oh, well, we're going to announce it randomly and it's going to take place in a week's time and then it's going to take a week for it to actually take effect. And like, that's so much lead up and teasing and messing around for no reason and also it's getting to the point where pioneer needs a soft reset i'm inclined to agree yeah yeah so that kind of a that approach would be really good whether what's he want to do it or not is another thing yeah like you like you said earlier terrors beyond death really clowned the format hard you know it's because of underworld reach thassa's oracle those those kind of key cards uro and also heliod because of the 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 monopite deck as well they're all the best decks and they have not been kept in check and they're all just allowed to roam free and they kind of don't really care. I do have a tinfoil hat theory on this though, okay? Okay. Bear with me on this one. I think one of the reasons that they're not touching something like Inverter or Breach and just claiming that, oh, everything's fine, what are you talking about? There is no war in Bossing Zay. That, like, that if Inverter or Breach were to be nerfed and killed, it's very likely that Uro would literally just dance all over the entire format and then they'll have to go and accept that is a huge mistake and then ban it there and then it'll end up being banned in Modern and then the whole thing starts coming unraveled and i think that's what they're potentially afraid of because it it's going to be like surprise surprise directly after the set where the key simic mythic was banned from nearly every format for being too good they go and do it again like i'm sure that that would really not inspire confidence in them and i think that's what they're kind of afraid of i think they think that their outcome is going to be better if they just go oh everything's fine what are you talking about if they turned around and went, look, we messed up and we're going to fix it, I'm I'm going to be like, thank you. You're fixing the format and you're making it enjoyable again. Like, where's the negative here? Like, you've taken responsibility for the situation and you, you've rectified it and you've fixed it. That is doing the right thing. And then what's you just sitting here doing the opposite? I don't I don't know. I, I, I honestly think that they're not touching those top decks because they're afraid of having to admit that it was a mistake. For sure. If we're talking about player confidence, yeah. I don't think players have a lot of confidence at the moment because last year it was just a train wreck in terms of card design and power level. Mm-hmm. It's coming to the point where you might as well just put the nail in the coffin and just go, yep, yeah, this was a problem. You know, we'll, we'll address it in future sets. Yeah. Yeah, they might not have the confidence now, but at least you have the opportunity to regain that confidence in long term. Then just ignoring it just, I think, creates more frustration than anything long term rather than going, oh, you know, 2019 was a, a car crash year. We accept yeah. it. It's fine. We plan to work on this in the next few years. Admittedly, that's hard because what's he work on like a two year design scale? For sure. So yeah. the cars they're designing now will be applicable in two years time. And a lot of the cars are already designed or created and yeah. printed and so forth. But yeah, a little bit of transparency from Wizards just to go, oh yeah, we kind of messed up. We're sorry. You know, we're, we're aware of this yeah. and we try our hardest to like to remedy that. I can't see them doing that though because I think they care about one thing and that's money. I mean... I don't think... Uh, uh, businesses care about money, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you, you want to care about where who pays and like the customers that come in and, you know, their kind of confidence in the product. You can't just keep mm-hmm. whamming out products and just hoping it sticks. Yeah. 
I mean, like, this is a key thing that I think a lot of people sort of miss, and I'm not going deep on this bit now because, oh God, this is a rant for another day. But, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, Watsi are more than Mark Rosewater and Gavin Verhey and stuff. Like, they're a business. They're a corporation. They're run by people that only care about the bottom line. And sometimes the, the way in which they're built and designed these companies will care more about the immediate impact on the on the bottom line than the longevity of everything and that currently is how it feels that things are going you know and this is why i don't want to go too deep into this right now because it is a very vast topic we're it's kind of looking very much like they care more about squeezing us for the money now rather than getting a little bit from us now a little bit later and a little bit later and a little bit later again it doesn't feel like that's what they're going for. And they're just kind of hoping that the that the prestige and integrity of the game just carries them through being able to put us in the squeeze all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's also important to understand that some decisions are Watsy decisions mm-hmm. and some decisions are Hasbro decisions. Admittedly, that line is very blurred because Hasbro doesn't really engage much externally as a Wizards counterpart. It's very internal. Yeah, It's just to understand at times that yeah, you can get angry at Watsy because they've done something that you don't like. But in some cases, it's probably just Hasbro just trying to trying to milk the cow a little bit. Yep. And we don't we don't know how Watsy operate internally. Like the amount of product that's coming out, you could say resources are strained. We don't know how like, how big the play design team is and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of variables, and it's while it's easy to get angry at Watsy, a lot of the decisions are probably done without you know, out of their power, out of their realm. Absolutely. And that actually brings up a very good point that I think we're going to end Pioneer section on. Yes. And even though it's nothing to do with the format necessarily, but when these things happen and the and the bans come through or like a change is announced or something happens and you and you're upset and you're you're angry or you're frustrated or whatever about it those feelings are all valid but what is not cool is going on to the likes of say like mark rosewater or gavin or or even just the people that that manage the social media account for was the coast themselves or for magic and and just hurling abuse first yes. of all that's not going to get anything done other than get you blocked or get you told to to get out of there and like it doesn't make you feel any better because your your feelings are not being acknowledged or validated there it's just being a jerk to someone that's yes. that's all it is and granted most people are understanding of this and are and are totally fine but you do get the odd bad egg that sometimes yes you know what it calling calling someone a bad egg is not even necessarily right the, the could just be blinded by emotion and just been like you know what i'm real worked up about this i don't know where to vent it uh mark rosewater hey you screw you dude like yeah you know it can happen but best not it's it's not it, it's not gonna do anything uh other than make you look like a jerk but yeah i think i think that covers pioneer <laughs> yeah oh god that was bit, long big bit pioneer. i think we might need to cut some of that <laughs> Oh God, modern. Okay, you know what? I'm going to take a sip of water. Uh, take a little bit of a, a vocal break on this. So Emma, I'm going to let you take modern because you're probably a little bit more invested in modern than I am, I would say. Yes. I think I think you're as invested in modern as I am in Pioneer, even though we're both quite close in the formats. But I think you just care a I little agree. bit more about modern. Yes. So with the modern band of restricted update, we saw one banning, which is Arkham's Astrolabe. Oh yeah. I am... Extremely happy that this is now banned in modern and is a couple of months too late, but I'll take it. At least they've addressed it. However, we haven't seen any other bans or any other unbannings, which I'm fine with. I know Scott is not so fine with it, but I'm fine with it as a stepping stone. 
I find Arkham's Astrolabe to be to suffer the Gitaxian probe effect, where it's a one mana spell that just gains you so much advantage for very little effort. Mm-hmm. You know, you just play Snowlands, yep. cool, and then you have a one mana draw card that fixes your mana. It gets around stuff like Blood Moon, which is a notable hoser in the format, and so forth. So with the Arkham Astrolabe ban, what that will mean is that Urza strategies are going to be hosed down a little bit, although I expect them to still be around because Urza is a very powerful card and mm. artifacts will remain printed as long as ever. And with that ban, I can see Ban Snowblade taking a massive hit because the green is not as free anymore, even though we do have Fetchlands. Um, stuff like Blood Moon is going to be really good again, which hoses the sort of, you know, the, the free color greedy mana based dot decks mm. such as Ban Snowblade. I am really happy to see this band and I think Modern's in a relatively good spot. So it'd be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Like there are there are some cards in Modern that I personally don't like that are very, very prominent, one of the big ones being Uro. But on the whole, I like if you were to get into a format now, an eternal format, one of the first ones I would direct you towards would be Modern. Because there are there are several competitive budget options that are pretty fun, to be honest, as well. Like, I play Monorail Prowess myself, and it's one of the cheapest high-tier decks. But it's one of the most fun as well. It's just great to play. It's really fun to play. Oh, it's so good. And, yeah, so I think, I think at the moment, Modern is in a good spot. I believe that Arkham's Astrolabe was a very, very, very good call and definitely had to go. Agreed. I think... I think I think honestly they're 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 probably gonna have to follow in the way of Pauper, which was about six months ago. Our Arkham's Astrolabe ate a ban there too, because it well warped the format and it enabled people to play things that you normally wouldn't otherwise be able to play. And now we will get to this later, but Mystic Sanctuary has also just been banned in Pauper, and in six months' time, I guarantee it, it's going to be banned in Modern as well. That card is heinous. Absolutely heinous. Until you've played against someone that goes Cryptic Command, Counterspell, Bend Sanctuary, back to my hand, uh, and then play it and then put the Counterspell back on top so that they can do it again the next time they draw a card, and they have like a Teferi out so they can bounce one of your creatures and then draw the card and then hold the Cryptic again. No. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Also, the fact that you can fetch for it. You can fetch for it. Yes. Like, that's... Island. Ooh, that's horrible. There's a counterbalance deck. There's a blue-white counterbalance deck in Modern that uses Mystic Sanctuary to put spells back on top in order to counter your spells. Like, that's disgusting. Yep. That should not be allowed. And now, I'm going to make a statement here, okay? I'm going to make a statement. And this is entirely my opinion, okay? And it's going to be very short. And if you believe differently, that is fine. That is perfectly fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. But Fetchlands are a huge, huge, huge mistake. Absolute horrendous design mistake. If you enjoy playing with them because of in Legacy with the with the Brainstorm or whatever and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, or you like Rix's Death Shadows, so you like doing the Fetch Shock and stuff, that's fine. That's totally fine. Like, I like playing Storm. That doesn't mean Storm was a good idea, you know? You can like broken things. That's fine. But Mystic Sanctuary is a great example of how they're broken. You can do these ridiculous effects at instant speed. Yeah, and the fact that it also fixes your mana, and then also, not to mention in paper, that it leads to more likelihood of cheating because of the number Shuffling. of times that you shuffle and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. But that aside, that aside. Also, the fact that they're so good that they're basically required to play a lot of formats means that they're more expensive, which means that they're much harder for 
budget players like yourselves listening now to actually get into formats. So I'm very anti-fetch in general. Now, if they became real cheap, uh, a little bit different, a little bit different. But until they're under $10, I I'm, I'm kind of against them, to be honest. So stuff like Fable Passage, absolutely fine. Yeah. Stuff like Khan's Fetches, Zendikar Fetches, nay. No. I would be perfectly fine with Prismatic Vista. I would like mm. to see Vista cheaper. It's a shame that while it's a great fetch, it's in a set that just isn't in print anymore. I really yeah. hope to see it in something like Double Masters, personally. I know that's a bit mm. ironic because Double Masters is also a limited print. But yeah, it's, yeah, that's the sort of fetch you want in modern on a regular basis. Honestly, it's the fetch you want in any format that it's legal. Like it should basically go yeah. into any non-monocolored commander deck as well, for the most part. Agreed. You know, so yeah, slight um, run off the side there on fetches, but I did actually have a reason for it. And that is because the other final thing that I'm going to say on modern is that I actually think Uro should have gone. I know I've mentioned that Uro is a mistake and stuff, but bear with me. I have a specific reason for this with modern and when it comes to modern. And that is because it is the worst in modern out of all the formats. Like you think it's bad in standard, you think it's bad in pioneer, play against it in modern, you can get it back so much quicker and easier because of fetch lands and formats with fetches break cards that rely on the number of cards in the graveyard for example uro does that you know you can play fetches and 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 fill your graveyard so you can get uro back quicker and what other cards have done that before they've been the likes of treasure cruise dig through time and death right shaman all three of those are fine in Pioneer because fetches don't break them. And I think, honestly, Uro might, if we had to leave it in a format, might be fine in Pioneer, but might be too good for Modern because of Fetchlands. Mm. It does essentially have Delve. Escape yeah. is just another another way to say Delve. Yeah. That's how it reads to me. Yeah, I think Uro, like, as I ranted in last week's episode, um, it's all about resource gaining and it just does far too much. Yep. The life gain, the land, the draw a card, not to mention it's a 6-6 six, six for 4 mana. Admittedly, you need to fill up your bin, which is really easy to do in modern because it's full of fetch lands and cheap spells. Yeah, I'm with Scott. I think it will be on the watch list and I would not be surprised to see it banned in the near future. Yeah. Like, you have to jump through hoops in order to make it good, but those hoops you were kind of falling through already in modern, so, you know... Um, what do we th- what do we think would be good going ahead in modern though aside from the likes of uh, like Blood Moon decks because obviously Blood Moon gets better now that everyone's not running just snow basics all the time. Yes, I can see blue white control being a good a good starting point featuring Stoneforge Mystic. Okay, I think Bant Snowblade will remove the green because as I, as I alluded to earlier, the green is less free because there's no Astrolabe. And I think they want to have a, the streamlined mana base just to counteract the Blood Moon strategies. That will be on the rise. So stuff like Ponza, even stuff like Mono Red Prison could make a feature because they like nice. cheating out Blood Moons as early as possible. Um, and I can see Eldrazi Tron being really good, which is weird to say because it's a Tron deck and Tron decks can suffer against a Blood Moon. However, Eldrazi Tron has such great resiliency, it doesn't really matter. Um, they can win through Blood Moves quite comfortably. Yeah. And plus with the introduction of Maze Mind Tome, which is absurd in that deck now. Have you seen it? I, I, yeah, I have. And to be honest, it's it's made me eye up Etron that little bit more. And I, I said this to you recently, I don't know why. Being the it mage that likes casting a million spells a turn, that I am. I don't know why I'm so unusually attracted to Eldrazi Tron. What is it about this all entirely colorless deck? I don't get it. It like it's 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 mostly in the grand scheme of things in modern 
a fair deck, quote-unquote. People can argue whether Chalice is fair or not on a different time, but... I just love it. Turn, turn 2 Fortnite is all I want to do in modern, which is weird because I also like doing a turn one Slippery Bogle, but turn 2 Fortnite here was, was my first love. It's just a really robust deck. Yeah. Um, and considering modern tends to fall into unfair play patterns, Eldrazi Tron just absolutely is a good, just a good fit. Also, Eldrazi Tron is one of those strategies. It doesn't win a lot of events, but you'll see it regularly top eight a lot. Yeah just because the card quality is so good. And especially with something like Maze Mind Tone, which which means you can just draw cards, mm-hmm. which is something the strategy has been struggling with for some time. But yeah, it just, it just seems a great option at the moment. Personally, I'm going to be looking at Mono Green Tron. Okay. One, I've been kind of wanting to pick it up again because Ugin's are now cheap, thanks to Core 2021. And secondly, I think a configuration with World Breakers would be really good if, if we're planning to see a rise in blue-white control because blue-white control really struggles against a World Breaker. It's true. And it can blow up a blood beam. Yeah. Also, Worldbreaker has reach, which everyone seems to forget. It does have reach. I've flown one too many birds into a into a Worldbreaker and uh, had to die, I've got to be honest. Pre-looting ban. Yeah. So I can see strategies such as Tron are just good anyway mm. because the car quality is so high. They do that. They do the same thing over and over and it just remains to be good. Yep. So I'm just going to default back to Tron, have a little play around and see see where to go. But no, I think one at Green Tron might be a good starting point and just take it from there. I mean, it's never really a bad call to turn three Karn. Like, it's like it's like playing Jund. You'll do all right. Yeah, it's a good option. I know we just tailed off about Eldrazi Tron for a little bit, but it's hard not to. <laughs> and then what we're going to do is we're going to move on to the next one. Speaking of Tron. This is Popper. Speaking of Tron, yes. Now, this, this one is weird because... I still don't fully know exactly how I feel about this. I, I was not expecting one of these cards to be banned. Me neither. The cards that were banned in Popper were Mystic Sanctuary, which was not super surprising, but then also Expedition Map. Such an odd one to ban. Yeah, so the reasoning that they are claiming behind getting rid of Expedition Map is to reduce the consistency of the Tron decks, the Flicker Tron decks from getting turn three Tron and getting the lock in place that little bit quicker. Now, to those that are listening, by the way, and haven't played against Flickertron before, basically what it does is it gets Stonehorn Dignitary, which is a four drop that makes your opponent skip their next combat phase. And then they play a Mnemonic Wall, which is a wall that when it enters the battlefield, you get an instant or sorcery from your graveyard and put it back to your hand. And they target both of these with a Ghostly Flicker, which is a, a flicker effect for two creatures. What will happen is the Stonehorn will come back in, your opponent will lose their next combat step, and the Mnemonic Wall will get the Ghostly Flicker back into your hand. So you can keep looping this. And because of the way Stonehorn Dignitary is worded, it is the next combat step that your opponent is supposed to have, they will skip it. So if you flicker this seven times in one turn, for example, they're going to miss combat for the next seven turns, effectively locking them out of combat. And that's how a lot of decks in Pauper win, is by attacking with creatures. Because there's no Planeswalkers, there's no super crazy combos for the most part. You usually just turn creatures sideways to win. I can understand their reasoning behind taking out the expedition map, but like I've seen several lists that don't even run the playset. They run like two or three. And I don't feel like it's enough of a hit. Like what what are your thoughts on this? I'm just surprised like Ephemerate or Ghostly Flicker was just not banned at all. Like was just taken out of the equation. Hmm. Because with Tron, it's not about getting Tron as early as possible. In a strategy like Flickertron in Pauper, there's less emphasis on that. It yeah. it uses the mana when it needs to but 
like Stonehold dignitaries, what, four mana? Ghostly Flicker's yeah. like two mana? Or three mana, sorry. And it's a, it's essentially a five-color deck as well. Yeah, like it's a con- it's a control deck. It's closer to... Yeah. In, rather than comparing it to like Mono Green Tron and Modern, it's it's more like Blue Tron and Modern. Yes. Yeah. In the same sense that, you know, you can control essentially control people's turns because they can't do anything to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just feels really bizarre that they didn't hit Ephemerate or Ghostly Flicker because... Especially if they're banned Mystic Sanctuary. One thing I don't get with the Mystic Sanctuary ban, while I agree it should be banned, because as we alluded to earlier, it's just a messed up card. I think the Stonehorde Dignitary lock is far worse than the loops with Mystic Sanctuary and being able to continuously counter. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think both are not very fun. I personally prefer one over the other, and it is the same way that you feel about them. That is because Stonehorn Dignitary, essentially what happens is when they get this lock in place, unless you can interrupt it somehow using either a counter spell or a removal spell on one of the creatures or both of the creatures, you can't really stop it. And the thing is, that sounds like it's easy enough to deal with. Like you just be like, oh, well, in response to your Ghost of Flicker, I'll, I'll hit that thing. You're also forgetting the fact that they're Tron deck, so they have tons of mana. So they'll be able to out counter you because while setting up the lock, they're also casting and flickering mull drifters and everything as well and drawing four five six cards a turn so by the time you're suited and set up to actually interrupt with the lock chances are they have ways to counter that already and even if you have ways to counter that they probably have further counters to deal with that again so like once once this lock is set up it is pretty solid it's it's fairly concrete is is a reason why this is one of the best decks in the format and has been for a long time whereas with the Mystic Sanctuary lock, to those that don't know, by the way, the, uh, the Mystic Sanctuary lock in Pauper is similar to the one in Modern. The one in Modern uses Cryptic Command to counter a spell and bounce the Sanctuary so you can play it again. The Pauper one is using Deprive instead. So it's blue-blue as an additional cast, or cast spell. You return a land to your hand and it's counter target spell so you return the mystic sanctuary then on your turn you can play it and then maybe you know cast a cantrip to draw the card again and then cast it and then redo it the difference here is that those mystic sanctuary locks in pauper are put into fairly proactive decks like delver you know like you're playing a tempo deck where you put down a small threat and you protect it and you stop your opponent from doing anything meaningful so while the Mystic Sanctuary lock can feel kind of bad, it's over in a minute or two. You know, it's a case of, well, I'm locked out here and you've got a flipped Delver and a Spire Golem or something and I'm going to die in two attack steps, you know. Whereas with the Ghostly Flicker Stonehorn Dignitary lock, they've basically told you that you have no more combat for the entire rest of the game. And if they can't kill you with enough combat damage using their little like 1-1 flyer or whatever it might be, or two power on the ground, their best win con against you then is probably just like milling you out or something. Like it's it's so miserable. And I understand the reason for getting rid of Mystic Sanctuary. Like I said earlier, it's a busto card like it's insane i don't understand how this got by rnd and they were like yes seems cool it's definitely nothing we can do with this break you know also at a common it's the effect feels like a rare rarity power level the fact it is a common is just not (laughs) yes but i am glad they did it a common and the reason for that is because i want to see pauper get some nice new toys so I'm I'm happy oh, to I see agree. that. But it is nuts to see this a common though. It's good, it's good crazy. nuts because at least they can turn around and go, yeah, okay, we screwed up. Uh, we got to ban it. But hey, you're only out about 40 cents. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. If they had gotten rid of Ephemerate and or Ghostly Flicker to help break up that lock, 
then I would understand the Mystic Sanctuary banning. But currently the Mystic Sanctuary deprive sort of lock thing is is mostly used to help sort of lock things out and prevent the end game from actually happening with these kinds of decks like the Tron decks. So I feel like they wanted to get rid of Sanctuary, but wanted to make sure that Tron didn't just have a huge surge in response. That could be it. It's weird because it kind of just feels like Wizards aren't really paying attention to Pauper or how the Tron deck really operates. Mm. And just going, oh, expedition map, that would do. And it's just like, it's not a classic Tron deck. As you say, it alludes more to a mono blue kind of strategy. Yeah. For me, it feels like the KCI of Pauper, where you can just <laughs> drag on the game and have these really, really boring and unexciting play patterns. At least with KCI, there is some inevitability after about 20 minutes at best. Um, Maybe, worse. if you're lucky. Sorry. Yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> But but with but with Pulper Flickertron, it, it you could just like nothing could happen. You could not lose the game, mm-hmm. but you can also not win. It just feels really miserable. Yeah. And as as a Bogles player, that just sounds like hell. <laughs> but I was actually doing a little bit of thinking before the show. Okay, on what is Tron going to use instead of Expedition Map? What are they going to replace it with? And I got thinking about it, and I had to look back on older Tron builds. The, the old Morassatron builds and stuff, instead of flicking Stone yeah. or Dignitary, you flickered uh, Dinrova Horror to start bouncing permanents and stuff instead, which at least is something, but, you know. Um, it's a win condition. Yeah. Uh, they also ran Rolling Thunder, by the way, to actually just Ooh, dome yes. you for like 15. That was something. That was cool. But the card that I noticed that is still legal in the format, that is going to be an ideal replacement in this five-color Tron control deck, crop rotation is legal. Really? Come on, like one green mana, sack a non-Tron land, get a Tron land, you got Tron. One of the best tutors. <laughs> it's still legal. Literally one of the best tutors ever made. Now, granted, it doesn't do a whole lot in the format here, but it does do it in Tron. It specifically has only ever really shown up in Tron or like extremely fringe land builds that like people tried to make happen, but weren't really yeah. anything, didn't amount to much. But like that that feels if anything, it it's it's almost an upgrade. Like it's less of a mana investment. Now sure you're down a land, but you're you're down a non-tron land. So what does it matter? It's that's kind of scary to I'm I'm uncomfortable with this idea. Yeah, well <laughs> gonna be honest. That's what we're looking forward to now, I'd say. But yeah, in a similar vein to you with Mystic Sanctuary and Modern, I hope to see Ephemerate or Ghostly Flicker on the list in Pauper mm. in the upcoming months, because I don't think it even puts a dent in Tron. No, I mean, this is the thing. Even if you were to get rid of Ephemerate and Ghostly Flicker, you still have Displace. Now, Displace is a little bit different from Ghostly Flicker because it only flickers two creatures. Ghostly Flicker can flicker artifacts and lands as well. So you're able to like flicker a Tron land in order to have it come back in untapped or flicker a prophetic prism to draw another card and get a little bit of value from it that way. But at least with something like Displace, you can only flicker creatures. So you can only get specific types of value, not value from literally any permanent you have. We'll have to see how that plays out, though. Uh, I'm definitely holding out for an ephemerate and ghostly flicker ban at some point. Yeah, Make Bogles great again. Do you know what I am looking forward to doing, though? I do feel like people are probably going to start playing Tron a little bit more online. And I'm actually kind of okay with that. And I think they're going to start playing it a little bit more because they're going to try and work out what's the new optimal build for it. But I'm okay with it because I've recently started getting into the walls combo 
Oh, I've lost to this. The Walls Combo deck is so fun. If anyone's never seen this before, it's basically you play a bunch of creatures with Defender and then you play like Overgrown Battlement and uh, Axebane Guardian, which are defenders as well that tap to add mana for for each defender that you have. And then you use, you transmute Drift of Phantasms to go and get a Freed from the reel to constantly tap and untap (laughs) your creatures. And then you use a Vivian's Grizzly, like a Duskrotch Recruiter in a... In modern, uh, where you basically just go through your entire deck, you get a Bloodright Invoker, which is a three mana three one that has an eight mana activated ability that Lightning <laughs> Helix is your opponent, and you just yeah. generate infinite mana, and it doesn't matter that that activated ability costs eight. You're like, I don't care. I'll activate this like eighty times, whatever. It's so fun, and the reason I'm looking forward to seeing more Tron is because Walls has an exceptional game against Tron. It doesn't win the game through combat, so it's like, yeah, you want it, you want to take away combat? That's fine. I've already taken combat out of my entire deck, so because <laughs> I'm a defender deck. Yeah, Walls, baby. And that is that is basically it for the for the banned and restricted announcement and and sort of the the in depth look into it. What are your what are your thoughts on this? Like, what what do you think we're going to see over the next? couple of weeks in terms of like how how our format's going to change so pioneer's not going to change if so very little i think we'll see some kepler's combo Mm. i think we'll see some mono uh, green walker-esque builds featuring uh oath of nissa otherwise i still think it will be inverter breach and helio combo unfortunately yeah in modern i expect the the traditional approach where everyone just plays mono red prowess or burn for the first few weeks before the uh, the metagame settles Mm -hmm. With Pauper, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people play Tron online just to try and figure out the most, most optimal sort of build because yeah. we don't think Expedition Map's going to do anything. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just like with, with Historic, I'm not quite sure because I don't play Historic, so I'd have to leave that in your capable hands. Mm. Um, yeah, in terms of Historic, honestly, it's the format I'm most excited to try and play around with now because all of those cards that were sitting on the suspended list, I was secretly afraid that they would get unbanned just or unsuspended and we would just have to deal with the trash fire format again but the fact that they're now just banned i'm kind of most excited about that like i'm gonna go on and i'm gonna i'm gonna start casting my phyrexian obliterators and just just cool decks just start playing cool stuff you know i'm looking forward to doing that but i think i think in terms of pioneer i i completely agree we're just gonna see the same old stuff same old, same old, except maybe with the addition of a bit of Katus combo. Modern, I'm I'm actually excited about modern. I'm one of these people that enjoys a good like BNR update because the metagame can re- reset and mm. it, you just kind of see a strategy that has been non-existent for like six months become really good. Yeah. It always defaults to like high progressive decks. So we'll see a lot of prowess, we'll see a lot of burn. I think we'll see a lot of blue-white control, which as a result, I think we'll see a lot of Tron and Scapeshift because they tend to take advantage of these control strategies. So it's going to be quite interesting. It's going to be a lot of rock, paper, scissors for the next few weeks. Yeah, nothing wrong with that either. Uh, that's what I love about modern. Yeah, and then Popper, as we as we explained, I think, yeah, we're, we're going to see a little bit more Tron. I think people are probably just going to start playing like more Delver and stuff. Like I saw a build today that wanted to take advantage instead of using Mystic Sanctuary to do that kind of loop and the lock and stuff instead run thought scour and the new frantic inventory as a way to sort of gain your card advantage and sort of get some serious velocity through the deck and it Mm. it kind of it kind of looks an awful lot like at one point there was like a blue black delver there was like a blue black xerox kind of deck nearly because everything was either one or zero mana 
and it, its main yeah. threats were like Delver and Gurmagangler. And it just used like Thought Scare to fill the bin, Snuff Out, which is a free removal spell. It, it just looked so... T- it looks the closest to a legacy deck that I've ever seen that just hasn't had Force of Will in it, basically. I think that's where I'm going to go first. Um, the Walls Combo or or the or the Demir Delver decks, like one of the two of those, both both speak to me on on very very primal levels for degeneracy. I kind of want to go back to Mono Blue Delver at some point. I love it, even though that did run the Sanctuary uh, Deprived combo. I still think it's quite good because there is Op on Mind. Yeah, and I love that card. That card is so good. It is a very nice card. And plus, I, I, I love ninjas, so I have like a slight ninja sub-theme with like Fairy Seer and Ninja of the Deep Hours. Beautiful little mix. Little tempo deck. Yeah, I really enjoy that. But that is it for ourselves this week, I believe. What a load of episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. This is probably, yeah, probably our most charged, our emotionally charged episode. <laughs> but yeah, we should, be, we should be back next week. Hopefully we will have some... Uh, some more more some uplif- budget. uplifting budget brews and stuff. Maybe we can start playing around with some different things in different formats. I know I've got my eye on a couple of things. I don't quite want to kiss and tell just yet, but I've been having a bit of success with a couple of things. We'll, we'll have to Same. see. Oh. Mm. oh, we'll have to have get together next week. Have a mingle. Yeah, over a cup of tea. Have a chat about these little budget decks that uh, that we're toying around with at the moment. Sounds good. But until then, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna sign off and. I'm going I'm going to go play some historic anyway, that's for sure. Sounds sweet. I'm going to play some cube. Nice. Thank you for listening to the BM cast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BM cast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud, and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budgetmagiccast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. Welcome to the emo cast. No, that's not where we are. That's not. That's not. <laughs> God, I'm so angry, Mama Watsi. No. <laughs> I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the slippery bug bonder who's I. That's a good outtake. I'll keep that one. <laughs>